So I started um, this morning by creating a red slide, since it's Christmas, right? So I started there, and then I put some words on it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) First one being Dear Santa. So I was trying to have a think about what I wanted to talk about, and something around open data um, related, uh, but something around a hobby of mine. Um, And about two weeks ago, I was putting out my, my Christmas lights at home. Um, and I realised that I'd um, used every plug socket in the house, or and the one that the Christmas lights cover, uh, um, plug into. Normally, I'd managed to cover with a bookshelf unit that I could no longer move, so I couldn't get to where the Christmas lights actually plug in. So I had to plug them in underneath the stairs. And this caused most inconvenience because this set of Christmas lights have no way to turn them on and off apart from unplugging and plugging them back in again. So it's not very graceful to break your back to get underneath my stairs to plug them in. And I came to the thought on, okay, what I need here, obviously, is this, over, uh, this over-promised thing that we've been promised for absolutely years, like wearable computing. Um, <laughs> um, the other over-promised thing, home automation. Right? Um, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about that. Um, I've had a couple of devices for years, and I thought, well, okay, I'll plug them in, get them working with my Christmas lights. Um, so in doing this, you know, I've had these devices since about 2008 and never used them. Just one of those things that I, I bought and I thought, oh, okay, maybe one day there'll actually be some decent use for them. Um, and what I found out was quite shocking. So, dear Santa, I would like to apologise for not taking care of old friends. Right? That's the, the kind of the, the theme of my talk, and, and you'll see why as we go throughout. So... Kind of, you know, at this time of year again, I don't know if people have noticed in the news, there's been a lot actually on home automation. You know, Microsoft revealing their, their house of the future, which we'll never have because they'll never take any of those products to market. We'll end up again with a tablet, right? I mean, have a look at what Microsoft Research do in this area. They do some amazing stuff. Wish they'd bring some of it to market. I really do. Um, but, you know, you look into this sort of stuff, right? And there's one obvious problem with it. Right? Expensive proprietary. I was looking, the Nest, right? This looks really cool, right? Everyone will look at this and go, ah, oh, Nest thermostat. This looks really It's a thermostat, right? Which learns your behavior, right? But it's a thermostat. So it turns things on and off when certain events happen, like temperature drops too low or whatever. Okay? £249! <laughs> <laughs> wow! That's expensive, okay? Proprietary and, and closed, right? But it looks really cool, right? And that's kind of one end of the scale of what we've got for home automation. You look for stuff out there that looks really cool and it's massively expensive. It comes with a whole solution and a hub and a tablet and everything together. It's like getting sat nav in your car. That's another thing that frustrates me, but another thing, you know, again, proprietary solution. Um, but anyway, yeah, so expensive proprietary and closed. I thought, well, that's not very good. At the other end of the scale, I don't know if anyone's played with these things that you can buy in PC World 3 for 20 quid. Right? Plug sockets that you can turn on with a stupid plastic remote control. They don't work. Okay? They're cheap, proprietary, and rubbish. Okay? You basically have to be next to the plug socket to turn it on <laughs> with the remote. It's kind of pointless. Okay? <laughs> so, yeah, don't buy them. Um, but, so we've got this big gap in the middle. Okay? And obviously, what we want to put in here open, affordable, available, powerful. Right? And so a few years ago, you know, so th- this, in, my, in 2008, you know, this was kind of my dear Sander, can we have something in here, please? Right? That we can actually play with and do cool stuff with. Fortunately, we now do. Right? And it's called Open Z Wave. 
uh, which is something I got involved in. So I'll introduce you a little bit to what this is. Um, here's, a, here's a network stuff. Um, <laughs> I borrowed this from another presentation. I really need to get better at citing. Um, but, but <laughs> basically, the one thing I liked about it is, is down at this layer, they actually have bandwidth, actually have spe spectrum. Right, registered spectrum, so it doesn't interfere with things like Wi-Fi. We've got far too many Wi-Fi devices as it is. They all interfere with wireless networks, and then I get complaints here about the Wi-Fi's being slow today. Well, yes, because everything's using the frequency, right? There's only one frequency, and everything's using it, right? So it uses its own thing. But in terms of other, you know, in terms of you know solving this cheap problem where you have to stand next to the device, okay, you know, it has all of these features that enable it, right, to work properly and be reliable, right, in terms of Zebra. And the, the most powerful ones, which you possibly can't pick up off of this diagram, are these three. Two-way communication. That's, that's an important one. That enables us to do a hell of a lot more than just press a button and hope, which is how most of them work. We press a button and we hope that that's turned on. We've got no way of telling. It won't tell us it's turned on. Okay? So two-way. Self-healing. Okay? Because of the fact it's also what's known in the as a mesh network. For people who don't know what a mesh network is, here's an example. One of those might be the controller sending out the signals to say, do this to this device and all the rest of the devices, but you can't tell which is which, okay, because they can all communicate with each other, which means they extend the network. For those of you who live in old houses, right, where wireless doesn't get through a single wall, this is brilliant, right? You just keep expanding and plugging stuff in, right? So all of these make it really, really cool. And as I say, back in 2010 when I looked at this, I was like, this protocol needs to go a long way. How many people have heard of it? 2008, yeah, exact one. There we go, right? So it's still not that popular. And, and that's because, again, back in those days, pre-2010, it was closed, expensive, there was no community, and there was no killer implementation. So I have a picture here of something else that was brilliant, had the right specification, right, and completely failed, right? What's this for anyone? Betamax. Exactly. Same thing. Um, so in 2010, something really cool happened. One of the companies who invested a lot in Z-Wave, in the Z-Wave Alliance, and set up all the protocols and everything, and was trying to sell it for £249 per device, went bust, because they weren't selling it to anyone. Before they went bust, that was brilliant, by the way, because before they went bust, they opened everything up. Okay, they opened the protocol, the stat, everything got opened up. So that led to creating of the Open Z-Wave project, which is something I contributed to in 2010, because I saw it happen, and I was like, oh, great, let's take the code, let's commit it into a Google code project and try and build a community. Um, and that was the last time I contributed to the project, because <laughs> I then had to write a thesis. Um, so I was told to actually get on with it. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I didn't contribute, and, and hence I had a couple of these devices, and there was this code out there. And, and so, yeah, as I say, a couple of weeks ago, I plugged the kit back in and went, okay, what's happened to this community? And I was astonished. I was like, it's, it happened. Five million devices were shipped in 2013, and you can now buy them on Screwfix. <laughs> I was like, that's a sign of popularity, rather than it being, a, you know, I had to buy the devices in 2008 from the US with a European plug on. Now I can buy them from a shop that's 20 miles away from me. Right, which is brilliant. So, excellent. So things have moved forward, and it's open. Right, and, and so, what I thought I'd do is actually, I've, I've got the stuff with me, and just could do a quick demo, basically. Um, 
The significant thing that I, I find about it, because it's two-way, right, in terms of the data you can get out of it, you can query all of the devices for the current state, right, to tell whether they're on or off. But you can also get other things out of them, like current power draw. There you go. <laughs> a few people in the room going, ah, all of a sudden you can monitor all the devices, on or off, what, how much power each one is drawing, right? Um, you can get, you can now, from Screwfix, one of the things that you can buy is the programmer for your heating system that said we've enabled, right? So, you know, instead of having a programmer where you set times when your heating comes on randomly and then you're late home or whatever and it's already gone off or you forgot to program it, switch it on, you know, it's now quite easy with this to actually do the whole GPS thing, you know, that I'm imagining, right? When I'm an hour from home, actually then turn the heating on as opposed to at the time I preset and now the train's late, right? So, these are the kind of things you can get, but I've still got my old devices with me, hence this. So I'm going to do my Pixar moment, hopefully. So let's, let's do a quick demo and hope it works. Um, I can all read my email as it would appear. Um, as I said, one of the problems with it is that it doesn't have that cool killer interface yet. There are some, but they're not absolutely killer. I'm hoping I've used the right interface here. So the thing is, for those techie in the room, you can see down here what it's doing is communicating with all of its nodes, saying, who's out there, what do you do? Okay. Um, so actually, um, as well, this is a Raspberry Pi, by the way, that I'm controlling. There's a, there's a little module you can plug on the top of Raspberry Pi to do all of this. Right? Yes, this is a Raspberry Pi with a little plug-in module. Where do I buy this stuff? Um, <laughs> you buy it from here. There you go, there's the module. It's on top of the Raspberry Pi. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it queries to find out which nodes are on the network and what they can do, um, and then hopefully I can take node 2, which should be a multi-level switch, and turn it on. Go. And then it should tell me what it's done down here in the logs. Um, so there is some really cool software out there to do. That. There is some, well, not so really cool. There's some better software than I found before. Let me just go and launch a different one, the one I actually use at home. And bring it up somewhere. I've lost the tab. There it is. So you have got these kind of things. Now, nice web interfaces for it. Um, so this is my set of three at home. Um, but significantly, you can do things like program it and have scenes. So you can do all that stuff that we've seen years before and say, okay, set me up in cinema mode so I can watch a movie and then multiple things happen, blinds come down, you know, and whatever. <laughs> but so you can get all these devices for it now. The software is getting much better, but it's still not your kind of cool impact. But, I, but bearing in mind, it's all completely open. Right, I'd like to see a few more people. It'd be great to see a few more people using it and then actually getting the power ratings back out and drawing in your graphs and everything. But anyway, so, dear Santa, can I please have some more of this? <laughs> and more pies. <laughs> and yeah, lots of cool stuff. Thank you very much.